Good evening, everybody. It's December, my favorite month of the year. And no, I don't have Santa Claus with me, but I have the next best thing. I have Frank Daly tonight. And this is actually so exciting because this is the month of awe-inspiring magic and miracles. And I have someone who is pretty miraculous himself. Um, good evening and welcome to the December in 2019, the last month of the year. And we have a wonderful evening planned for all of you. I just want to make sure that we're on so we can get going here. And if you come on tonight and you check in, please definitely say hello and let us know that you're on. And if you have any questions for us, please make sure you include it in the feed. We're happy to answer as much as we can. This is a conversation between very good friends who are in fact family. And we want to welcome all you to engage in the Christmas spirit and have a conversation with the audience as well. So good evening, Frank, how are you tonight? Wonderful, it's been awesome just, just being able to see your smiling face. Oh, thank you, oh my God, it's so nice to be here with you. I can't tell you how excited I was when you said yes to the conversation. Um, I do want to introduce you, but before I do, as always on my Manifesting with Meg show, I ask you to pick a number and set your intention and hold it till the end of the conversation where you will actually announce it to the, the audience and then move on to that point. So introducing Frank Daly, he is Chief Master Sergeant Frank Daly. He served with distinction within the Air Force Special Ops Command and US Special Ops Command. He took part in operations in Desert Storm, Bosnia, Kosovo, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Af Africa. He's traveled throughout the world living in 230 different countries. He graduated magna cum laude with the Bachelor's of Science in Counterterrorism and National Defense Strategy from Henry Henley, I'm sorry, Henley Putnam University and now a graduate student at Liberty University in Psychology and Social Science program. Definitely an accomplished individual. He is, he's been retired after, well, sorry that, he, he's, since his retirement after 28 years, he became a veterans advocate, which is something that he's incredibly passionate about now and we'll definitely speak to tonight. He's a peer mentor, peer support group facilitator for veterans in our community, and he has studied with Dr. Roger Brooks and Dr. Denise McMorrow with the Soldiers Heart Foundation, incorporating the study of Native American, this is what I got really excited, Native American rituals, which is just fascinating, a warrior return, which is so interesting because the warrior is such a is such a integral part of their their culture as well so i can't wait to ask you questions about that hopefully it'll come up and then we have more so he has designed and led multiple retreats for veterans and their family has served on several veteran charities board of directors so this is someone who gave service to his country and now he serves his community in ways to help them heal as well. And in service to them, he helps himself. So he was called to become a therapist, which is amazing because he calls it his true calling. So it doesn't matter when you start and when you answer the call, it somehow will find you. Uh, he's married to his lovely wife of 30 years, has one son and he lives in the Florida Panhandle. He is committed to community service and to continue service, helping veterans navigate the journey, which is Amazing, we need more people who are in service to those who actually served all of the civilians in this world. So thank you for that, Frank. His motto, I love this, we went to war together and we can only come home the same way. Amazing, he incorporates nature, talk therapy and service in his process to assist veterans. Thank you so much for joining us in this wonderfully uplifting and inspiring evening that will usher more magic for your holidays. Frank, it's all you. Oh Lord! Introduce yourself. <laughs> yourself to everybody. Hi guys. Um, Meg kind of gave you the overview of who I am, and then when we talk about um, really how I got to where I'm at, and you know, talking about this month being the month of making a decision to change. Uh, this is the month when the world changed. So when we embrace that and we recognize that life is about progressing forward, you can't stand still. In combat, we used to tell people, move. I don't care which way you move, but keep moving because when you stand still, you're a target. Wow. So we're always moving forward. Wow. I just want to say yeah. that's very interesting you say that because it's it's 
such an interesting analogy, you know, that we don't stand still because if you stay still, you're a target. But if you keep moving forward, that's something that in the military they teach you. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's 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 a part of life. Yeah. If we're not learning, if we're not grasping where we're going, we're dying. So every day has to have a small goal of victory, a small wow. step of stepping forward. So, you know, when I saw what the the focus of this month in Meg's in podcast, yeah. that is so important. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, one of the things that Meg talked about was, um, the warrior concept. A lot of us turn around and say, oh, he's a military man. He's a hero. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, a man that survived Somalia, wow. um, used to tell us boys, if anybody wants to buy you a beer for what you did in combat, or wants to buy you a drink for what you did in combat, order milk. <laughs> if, they call you, if they call you a hero, I want you to remind them that heroes dwell in Arlington and our nation's cemeteries, mm. but I'm just a guy that witnessed terrorism. Wow. So I like to use the word, the, the warrior's path, the mm. warrior's journey versus the hero's journey. Oh. Because the journey is going home. Wow. And a warrior still is in the fight. And that's that's how I look at myself. So give you a little bit of that. I like um, that. Wow, that's amazing. You know, so let me so I, I want to hear a little bit about your story so that you can give everybody who's listening a background into your place where you are now and how you've actually gotten there to to experience this part of this side of your journey mm -hmm. after you've persevered through you know serious combat and then coming back with inspiration to bring others into this warrior's journey that you're a part of now okay um well it kind of and meg and i do have been talking about this today a lot um it didn't start when i was in the military Quite honestly, I uh, my warrior's journey started when I was about nine years old. Um, I am a survivor of uh, childhood sexual trauma. I was attacked by a child molester um, nearby my house on my way home from school. I, uh, I was able to fight back. And uh, though the trauma was there, I did not experience the same trauma that 15 other young men had from this subhuman. I'll just put it that way. But the difference between my story and my uh, journey is that I didn't let him take who I was. And in fact, and we just talked about this and Meg didn't even know this until today no. that when I was, um, when I was coming home or going to school one morning, I saw him. I saw him in a car. Wow. And I memorized the make, the model, and the license plate. Being the son of a police officer, I knew what you needed to have for the prosecutor, Meg, to go <laughs> and nail the SOB. Yeah. So at at I think I was like 10 years old, I fought back. And at 10 years old, I was able to affect taking that individual off, off the, uh, the grid. Oh, that's unbelievable. Jail. And that set the stage for a lot of what I did coming forward in the military, coming forward as a young, uh, a young high school student and so forth. The sense of right and wrong and vindication through action became kind of the watchword. In fact, Meg described me, and this is kind of funny, as a as a child or as a as a young man, I was the guy that was the rules. Yes. I was the older person yes. in the house and we were going to follow the rules. Yes. Well, that that was that's where that came from. That's how that came about. Amazing. So recognizing the struggle that an individual might have 
to be one of the most horrific things that he experienced, he or she experienced, while at the same time being the life-changing thing that sets you on the path. Wow, that's amazing. But clearly, when you're 10 years old, you know, and, and you basically survive, not, you're not the warrior yet at 10, you're surviving at 10, you adopt the rule mentality at 10, that is a miraculous event in and of itself that you can actually identify, we were talking about this before, identify the mm -hmm. person and speak up because a lot of people hide in shame rather than come forth and know. I mean, you had a father who was a police officer. However, that doesn't, you know, give you the constitution to speak your mind. However, you did. Yes. So and that's amazing. That's amazing. So what was it that pulled that out of you that you knew that you couldn't stay silent then and that's continued throughout your journey because that's what you do you're speaking up for the people who can't speak for themselves now i i think that it was that i didn't want to be a victim i okay. didn't want to seem weak being six you know when i grew up i was six foot five but i weighed 170 pounds so i was a big tall lanky kid but by standing up for myself, standing up for what's right, standing mm -hmm. up for people that are weaker than I am, uh, it, it allowed me to have a voice. And as you know, I never shut up. So. <laughs> well, I don't think there was a time, I mean, Frank, and just so the audience knows, Frank's family and my family were essentially family when we yeah. moved to Orlando, when we, my family moved to Orlando and Frank's family moved to Orlando. So we have grown up together. So we know the raucous Irish and the Italian conversation clearly met in our <laughs> home. And yes, we are definitely gifted with the gab. So yeah. absolutely. So yes, I remember the six foot, 170 pound lanky Frank telling us all what to do. But the bottom line is you didn't go silent. And that's yeah. something that you've used in your profession, even when you were in the military and even today. Oh, sure. The, the sense of right and wrong and concrete facts that go with the military, it, it, it was a natural progression mm -hmm. to become a member of the military because I, I like rules. I need to know my left and right limits because otherwise I'll be everywhere. So, <laughs> Um, when you give me limits, I can operate inside those limits and achieve amazing things. Um, because in the military, they, they kind of honor your boundary makers and your boundary breakers. They may tell me that I want you to go to the fight to this line and stop. But if I have the initiative and I have the strength to move forward, I'm going to keep fighting beyond that spot and inform everybody else. They better catch the heck up. And so um, that never changed throughout what I've been doing, both in the military and with our veteran community. When certain organizations or certain charities couldn't or said, oh, it's too much for us to do this yeah. because you're so far out in the panhandle. When I turned around and showed them that I was, I was getting 30 people together twice a month for, for a peer support group without, without sponsorship. We were paying for our own meals. We were getting the community to donate a space for us to meet. And I said, are you sure you don't have the capacity to support us? And suddenly, you know, miraculously, they were able to help us. Well, it wasn't because they couldn't, they didn't realize that they had an unstoppable force. Well, well, when did you determine in your life, like what was the point in your life that you embraced the unstoppable force? Because I love that mentality. But to, to shift from I don't want to be a victim to now I'm this unstoppable force, where was the segue? Honestly, I, I, I have to say that it sounds crazy, but um, out in survival school, when uh, they put us into push the limits, of our, our experience. I was an air crew and then I went into intelligence 
and then I got into special operations and never stopped. Wow. But when I went through survival school, they pushed us to a limit that I thought, man, I can't do this. I'm in Spokane, Washington in January. <laughs> That's cold. Four feet of snow. Oh. <laughs> and it's about zero degrees on the hottest point of the day. And we had to travel a long distance. And then after that, we went into our resistance training for preparation if we ever were to, we were to become POWs. And I dealt with bullies, which POW camp is nothing but a bunch of bullies. And I had dealt with running around in the woods. I was actually in heaven in the woods, in the cold, in the snow, sleeping in a, in a little bit of an igloo and doing all that. That was heaven. But then when they challenged me with face-to-face -face, uh, verbal con combat yeah. with somebody, I realized that, hey, I was pretty good at this. You know, it's, it has to be something like the realization that you would be an outstanding prosecutor. Right. You know, when you realize that, you're like, yes, I've yes. got it. Yes. And um, you can push through it. And then at the same time, the military took the 179 pound, six foot five kid. And when you think about 179 pounds and six on a six foot five frame, you're not thinking about an Olympic athlete. You're thinking about a concentration camp. <laughs> I was not. I was definitely not uh, a felt uh, athletic individual going into the military. When I got out of the first uh, year or two of the military was when all of a sudden I filled out and I was six foot five, 125 pounds, about the size of a Notre Dame, you know, uh, football player. And for a long time, I, I look good. Now, <laughs> now I, I look like Santa Claus. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but the change in who I was, you know, I joined when I was 19 years old. So by the time I was 21, here I had had both the physical, emotional, and mental uh, strength reinforced in that who I was. Right. And that helps in being able to combat the 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 challenges that you face in combat. Right. And no one would have told no one could have told any of us that um, going into this in in the in 1985 that I would be a part of the longest military conflict uh, that our nation's ever known. Yeah. And to be able to be on the front lines in those battles, in a lot of those battles, um, is been just amazing. So your father says you will never grow up, Frank. <laughs> His comment in the feed. Thank no you. comments from the peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah. And they're all thanking you for your service. I just want to make sure, because I know uh, that you can't see the feed, but I just want to make sure that you know that they're all thanking you for your service, but specifically, I think what is really fantastic here, what you've actually identified, is you had an aha moment from a point where you had no clue what you were going to do, right? You knew you weren't gonna be the victim, you just needed some direction, and they gave you structure, and they let you, you know, get the training, or maybe they forced you to get the training that you needed to find yourself, which is, a part of your warrior's journey, so to speak. Mm -hmm. really, it is. It's the laying of the foundations because a call has been said and then you're answering it. And this is how the answer is unfolding in your life, which is what makes you who you are today. And right. and tell us tell us a little bit about, you know, we were talking before, like people come into your life at certain times and for reasons, seasons, lifetime, and, and they also you know, the opportunities as well, if you're paying attention and you're actually responding, those come into your life. And, um, you know, we're, I, I, you know, since you have an opportunity to look at what we we're going to ch chat about the whole trusting the process mentality mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm going further. 
I can be grateful for my experiences. At the same time, when challenges arise, those those training techniques are what's going to give you the power to move past and move on and actually to help other people. How does this speak to you right now? Well, when you when you talk about the process, the first thing is, is you've got to, uh, if you want to hear God laugh, you tell him your plan. Give control to the person that has control. Yeah. We'll accept mm-hmm. that fact. Accept yeah. that God has has a path and an intention for you. You can swim upstream for a really long time, but yep. eventually he's going to knock you off that horse and get you on the right path. Mm-hmm. So um, being open and willing to accept the path that's before you is one of the first things to be able to listen and hear the call is probably one of the strongest points that needs to happen uh, in in the, the progression of life. Um, for me, everything from learning to read, um, I was I was dyslexic as a child. I was telling you that I t- still type backwards. And it's pretty, it's pretty funny when I'm writing a big, long uh, paper and I find words written completely backwards. And it's just the way my brain's wired. But at the same time, it's not a hindrance. It's just a reminder to be present and go back and look at what you've done. And wow. every single thing that has kicked me in the shorts has also given me the opportunity to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And as long as I continue to look at it as a challenge and as a gift, every challenge and every struggle that I've ever faced has also been an incredible gift to develop and refine and define the person that I am. Wow, it's amazing. It's so true, though, too, right? It's so true. And you know, when I was saying to you before, you know, when, when you did tell me initially about what happened to you as a kid, you're like, what was the greatest challenge has become my greatest strength. And, you know, speak to that, because I think people, when they're facing challenges, they don't realize that you have two choices. We all have choices. Either you succumb and numb, right? Or mm-hmm. you you gather the strength that you have inside you, that light that wants to come out, and then you take the next magical step into possibilities for healing or mm-hmm. possibilities for serving or helping or getting the help you need. And I know that points of connection are very important to you. So perhaps you can speak to that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the big things that you, you just hit on was helping, healing, and uh, connecting. One of the things as a counselor for me, as a, as a, uh, a peer mentor and a, a, a facilitator, is I can sit down with someone who's who's dealt with sexual trauma and it may be a male it may be a female and by sharing my story mm-hmm. they now find the their voice because they're willing to talk to someone who has been there oh and yeah it's hard at times because sometimes i look at myself and i go why am i the person that someone has chosen to share that huge burden but a burden shared is a burden lessened oh that's beautiful so this that's gift beautiful this gift of mm. um pain of struggle as uh what well, victor frankel who's my man vic i love uh, him yeah he, you know he explained that there is there is such a benefit in righteous suffering uh. and embracing the fact that I was given this challenge and I have survived for a reason. Well, I have a reason. Just so people know about your man, Victor Frankel wrote, uh, go ahead, you can speak to it about the Holocaust, okay. a man's yeah. search for meaning. And, and he spoke directly to his experience and how he was able to survive such a horrific experience in his life. Not only survive, but then when he left, he Go ahead, you talk to him. He's your man. Well, what, what, and this is this is the joke. Um, when I say my man, Victor, um, when we looked at the military experience 
there's there are stages in life the shock of being in a in a concentration camp the shock of dealing with someone becoming subhuman or treated as being subhuman yeah. and then the shock of being released oh wow yeah now when you look at the military experience we have the shock of basic training and reprogramming and redefining who you are right then there's the shock of combat the yeah. most primal act that a human can have to take another man's life mm -hmm. and then when we're released when we're discharged and we're alone for the first time those experiences align together and when you look at it through the lens of the holocaust survivor and then apply it to the lens of the military survivor especially those that have served the long war mm -hmm. in afghanistan and iraq and now syria yeah. uh, when you see that and when they're injured and then they're suddenly released their sense of community their sense of identity their tie-in has been removed wow. so tying those things together are so important so that you can identify the emotions and the feelings that you have yeah. and then be able to say this refines who i am but wow. it doesn't define me wow wow that's amazing so so interestingly enough i love it when the bells ring behind me because you know that the point you're being when we talk about technology and how the oh, other yeah. Hi, Mary jo. that's my mother <laughs> I usually show up one point in this family conversation. So I was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, actually it's funny. I have to mention, you know, after she passed away, one of my voicemails was her speaking. I'm looking for you wherever you are, which, which is exactly how I see it. But I think what you're speaking to back to the point where you're speaking to is this whole processing of the reinsertion of someone into the community, but changed, but they're mm -hmm. They're not the same as when they left and the military can prepare them for so much. But your job right now is to help the person who is not able to navigate the journey home. And to become, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, to come home, to come mm -hmm. home. But yet, and then know that it's important for them to share their insights as well, because all of us need to be educated to a certain degree as to what kind of mission and service and without obviously the details but but to make them feel you know validated to make them feel honored to make them feel uh seen and mm -hmm. that's where you come in really because your point to the conversation was i want to help people feel seen in this world which is ultimately the thing that will save us all right mm -hmm. That I truly believe that because isolation is no good. We right. have to feel like we connect and we have to find those avenues to do so. And that is what you're doing for the veterans community. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Sure. It's, you know, when we talk about that, those three steps of indoctrination into basic training, your combat experience, and then your release. Well, indoctrination takes about nine to 12 weeks in depending on which service that you're in mm -hmm. your combat experience is the brunt of your experience in the military and then coming home how long do you think it takes a veteran to out process the military when they say either i'm done or thank you for your service you've been broken and you have to you have to become a civilian again how long do you think that that takes oh a lifetime i think <laughs> I mean, the reality administratively. is. I'm sorry. Administratively, how long oh, do you think that takes? Two weeks. They give you two weeks. <laughs> they, it's it's less than thirty days. Wow. So when you think it takes nine to twelve week twelve weeks to become a military member, but it only takes three to four weeks to get out. Yeah. We actually have to have a boot camp to, to bring our veterans home. Yeah, yeah. To to bring them back, and this is where the the warrior's journey and uh, the teachings of Dr. Ed Ed Tick, who is an amazing uh, person who works with the Greer Foundation. Okay. Uh, again, any book by Dr. Greer or Dr. Tick, 
absolutely amazing. I highly recommend them. But uh, this is where the bringing in of the traditions of the natives, uh, of the native tribes, and how they brought their their warriors home means so much to the warrior class that, that I belong to and that we recognize that there is a, a process of coming home. And when we look at the Lakota Sioux, what they would do is they'd go to battle Amazing. and they'd, they'd fight for their tribe to defend the people. And when they went into battle, what would happen is the, the tribe would reorient their entire life because now they were in combat. But when their warriors came home, they didn't bring them right in and say, thank you for your service, high five, go see your wife, go see your family. They sat them on the other side of the water source, on the other side of the river, so they could see their family, but they couldn't have contact. Wow. They went through a process of healing through fire. They took off all the warrior's clothes. Wow. And they burned them. Wow, that's amazing. They took, took away and washed them. So now we have a ritual cleansing. Wow. So ritual by fire, ritual by water, and then they had ritual by storytelling. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so by sitting as long as it took for as long as it had to happen, we would sit wow. and tell our story. Wow. And I will tell you that being a witness to the lives of so many different veterans that have worked through this process yeah. has been absolutely amazing. And for myself, you know, uh, Dr. Brooke, uh, you know, Roger Brooke and Denise McMorrow are absolutely amazing. Duquesne University uh, trained psychologists who deal with the military on a regular basis to have access to them and work with them has been a huge blessing for me. Yeah. But um, the experience of going through their process and working together has given me the, the clarity to know that this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to do. I love that you use the word clarity too, because I think, you know, I've been, I've been, um, I've been studying about visionaries lately and, and how desperate we are, all of us, for a vision for our lives. But I think you can have a vision, but without clarity of the path and, and those signs that show up, then you might be lost with your vision. Mm -hmm. There might be you no know, direct you know, connection to what you choose to do, your, your calling, and then how the unfolding happens. But with clarity, when you get intentional, then opportunities like this with your school, your graduate school show up for you because right. you're looking for those opportunities, which I think is fantastic that you use that terminology because that really is truly what is necessary for, for the visionary to come to life. And we all are visionaries. It's just that we get that clarity and perhaps people like you can be the one in your community to give the storytelling opportunity for the purpose to come to light and and i and i definitely encourage anyone who is in or near or around um, frank's area if if that's a resource that you want to use to definitely reach out to him please tell me a little bit more about your experience with regard to the intentional part of your life that's the hard part um, being deliberate and making the commitment to change. You know, I could have stopped when I, you know, so many different points in my life, I could have stopped and said, I've done well. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite stories, and, and this, this will get my mom tied into this. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear 
hear comments from that from her later. Um, <laughs> well, you know and, well when someone comments, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they've heard me. They heard you. Uh, when, I was, when I was in Afghanistan at the very beginning of the war, um, we had some missionaries. Now, everybody thinks that Afghanistan is a totally Muslim. They'll chop your head off if you're a missionary in there. Right. Not so. There were missionaries that were in Afghanistan when we went in and we knew where they were. We tried to get them out. I had one set of missionaries from uh, a, a charity walk up to my guys and say, hey, um, you guys want to come have dinner with us? And they're like, no, we've got a meeting to go to down the road. He goes, yeah, there's an ambush down the road. Do you want to come have dinner with us? Um, <laughs> They, they essentially saved the lives of these guys and oh, wow. may have hastened the departure of the people that were waiting at the ambush. Yeah. But um, these missionaries were there and they included a group of women wow. who came to, to speak at our church. And my mom, you know, tells this story to me when I come back and she's like, this woman, she, to signal the helicopters, she burned the burqa that they made her wear for these, you know, the months that she was held captive. And I go, yeah, I know. And I think that that was the day that my mom realized the kind of work that I did because I debriefed this woman. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and my mom said, well, my son's there. Would you happen to have known? And you know, we don't use her names. Right. But when she showed a picture, oh, wow. That's so the lady smiled. That's amazing. And so the connectivity of being able to be there together, you know, yeah. here I am 3,000 miles away from my, my family, but my mom turns around and connects with someone mm -hmm. who had been there, had gotten a hug from me, wow. had told her story, and I, I was there to give her a voice. Wow. In the in the debriefing of how she was taken care of, where she was hidden, and all the things that I needed from that, so um, being able to connect in that, the interconnectivity of the entire universe, and uh, I think that Richard Rohr uh -huh. we, we talk about Richard Rohr talks about um, the universal Christ and mm -hmm. the universe connecting. You know, a lot of people will turn around and uh, talk about uh, Native American tradition and they're like, oh, we can't do that. It's not it's not Christian. Right. Oh, my God. And, oh. and this is where Richard Rohr steps up and says, oh, my God. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's more Christian than a lot of what our churches are doing. Yeah. Um, so um, being I read the Universal it's an amazing. Oh, yeah. book. oh, it's an amazing book. Yeah. 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 So being able to connect, to be able to to recognize that Christ is everywhere, whether we want to admit it yep. and accept it or not, it's in the mosques, it's in the temples, it's in the different places where good people are. Yes. And being able to accept that and not say every, to make a blanket statement that not everyone's wrong or every, everyone in this group is is a terrorist or a bad person mm -hmm. it's not so yeah and you know here's here's a guy that's actually fought for 20 years uh, against an ideology and i'm telling you that there are amazing people throughout the universe throughout the world I love that you said that. I have to. I have to. I have to segue on your post that you put because this is perfect timing for that. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the fact, the mere fact that you have this understanding. If everyone would stop yelling at each other and basically protecting what they believe is the right ideology and start to listen to each other, what an incredible change! an impact that one small act can have on the universe, literally the change that will have a ripple effect that will go on and on just because you sought to understand before you actually were understood. I love that you posted that. And I love that that's a part of your discourse, at least with regard. And I, and I, I would encourage everyone on the feed 
to follow him on Facebook because I think there's a lot of beauty that can be had in a different perspective. Certainly, you know, hearing from a different person that you wouldn't normally you talk to. I personally think that I am blessed with everyone who I come into contact with, like you were saying before, the small synchronicities of life. The mm -hmm. Carl Young's my man, you know, he's mine. Yeah. <laughs> those synchronicities are like those ahas that God's the God nods, the God winks, you know, that mm -hmm. you have in your life that you know you know there is more connectivity than you even can see. You know, mm -hmm. it's the whole idea that you know, there's more to the world than this, to this life, this miraculous life than we can actually see with our eyes. Sometimes we have to see with our hearts. So, mm -hmm. you know, talk to, you know, share with regard to that, because I think that's really so important that we learn to start communicating from the place of love rather than immediately, I don't think that you're like me, so I'm going to hate you. Well, and the thing is, is it hates cancer. Hate is cancer. Hate is, is a cancer. And one of the things that uh, was uh, in our discussion board today specifically is that the people that want us to remain divided, who say that we're a racist country, who mm -hmm. say that we are um, hateful in nature, want us to hate. They want us to hate each other because what it does is it destabilizes who we are as a country who we are as a people and a mm. community. Amazing. Whereas, you know, there are people that say that, well, that person's gay. I can't be friends with them. That person's black. I can't be friends with them. That person is Jewish or Muslim or what have you. All these labels that we put on people, what's the first part of that statement? That person. Yeah. And if we believe that each and every one of us are made in Christ's image, no matter what their ideology, no matter where they come from, where they've been, if we believe that, we have to recognize the divinity in each and every human being. And if we don't honor that, we're not honoring God. That's amazing. And you know, it's interesting because even at that point that you, 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 you know, it's even, even the whole idea with like the whole namaste principle where I, the God in me salutes the God in you. It's that ideology or the actual reality that we're spirit beings, right? We're spiritual mm -hmm. beings having a human experience. That's um, uh, no, I, well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it later, but the bottom line is, yeah, I, like there's, I'm getting excited. So I'm like completely like, you know, but the whole point of the matter is that we need to honor each other. And when we honor each other, we honor the spirit within, which is based in from a place of love, the creation of who we are, the deliberate creators that we become start off honoring the light within. And, right. and honestly, especially this time, this season, you know, have they follow the light, the North Star to this beautiful miracle of someone who is going to change the world. We, too, as visionaries need to allow our lights to be seen and recognize the light in someone else. And that's where a wonderful collaboration can come to life, literally. And, and that's where love can heal so much. And I think that even with regard to you, I have to... I want to speak to the insight today because it's one of my actual favorites and it talks about the next magical step and Paulo Coelho, who is the author of Alchemist, he speaks to mm -hmm. everything we need to learn is always before us. We just have to look around with respect and attention in order to discover where God is leading us and which step we should next take. And, and, and truly, if you believe that, like you were saying before, the synchronicities that show up in life, Every person who shows up on your path is there for a reason. You need to pay attention to what that is and listen to the lesson they're offering you. I don't know if you want to speak to that as well. Um, the, the big thing is, is to be able to, to listen and to calm yourself enough to where you can hear the message and to accept what is, um, is being said to you. The, the issue of being ready, it'll come. Mm. For me, it was, I was 50 years old when I, I got the calling to become a counselor. But 
it, it'll come and you have to be physically emotionally and spiritually ready to hear the call if you wait too long or if you ignore it there's a point in time where you can swim upstream for only so long you can fight the the path that's set before you mm. eventually you're going to have to come downstream and and follow the 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 flow that you're you're going to uh experience you know life is is a journey and you know i've been blessed and again the the concept of being blessed with hardship my best friend is is a cancer survivor and uh she's in stage four cancer now we could turn around and say stage four we know what that means okay let's get our affairs in order no not at all we're going to live with cancer we're going to live life to the fullest as people that are living with cancer not allowing cancer to take anything away from us and having you know i i'm one of these weird guys okay that has a best friend that's a girl and um she's incredible but what she is doing is she's teaching me how to live and being there for me and with the other people that we have in our community each of them brings something it is incredibly powerful to teach each other mm. if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to hear the spirit tell us what we're looking for. And uh, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty, pretty amazing. If we're willing to listen, that's, I think, probably one of the most important things that you have said. We will all learn if we're willing to listen. And that's to the other and give that place, the space to the conversation can begin it's very sacred this this opportunity to speak with you it's a very sacred space where you allow the other the opportunity to be heard and i think that you know is where manifesting actually begins i think that you know we we are creators of our life and i think that interestingly enough you know um when we change like you said perspective and change how we act in this world and the like your friend is teaching you how to live it becomes less the the years of in your life rather than the life in your year and more of the life exactly. in your years and and i think that you know specifically because you know you've told me and you've shared with me that you've been challenged with post-traumatic stress from mm -hmm. your experiences certainly coming back from uh, from combat, I mean, there is, you know, there is that reality that you have lived, you said 20 years, you know, in, in that mentality, that experience with all of your, your, your um, family there, mm -hmm. you know, back, you know, and then the whole processing it. And I'm sure like even coming back, like how did you address the challenges? What was, well, who gave you the opportunity to be heard? So that you on your path in this journey become a counselor that's you know that's that's one of the hard things because i focused all my energy on taking care of other people okay. and i didn't necessarily want to take and look at who i was or where i was coming from okay. it was more of serving other people and then suddenly i realized that i had nothing left for myself and then I needed the, uh, the, the help and to ask for help is one of those challenges that is not easy. You know, um, one of the things that has made it easy, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping. Well, up, all the way up. Maggie. Come here. This is my girl, Maggie. She's a service dog. And um, I hadn't really even talked to my wife about uh. needing the help that I needed. And till I brought home this oh, little furball. And uh, she is an empath. Oh, um, wow. She knows when I'm having a tough time, but then she also knows when um, 
I need to get out and I need to play or if it's a stressful situation and she says, hey, dad, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, no, wow. she doesn't need to go to the bathroom. She says, I smell all the stress in this room. Let's get the hell out of here. That's so amazing. So, and she's so smart that it gives, gives me the opportunity to break free and also have a chance to uh, make a difference. And she keeps me balanced. And the, the beauty of who she is and the, the, the way that Maggie communicates has actually been able to strengthen my connection to my family. That's because great. when Maggie reacts to me having a stressful time, my son goes, ah, Maggie's in his lap. Okay, we need to back <laughs> off. We need to back off for a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and give some space and at the same time when he's having a tough time and maggie goes and crawls into his lap and he goes oh my god she just reacted to me wow that's that's the dog that's the empath you know the unconditional love that comes from an animal Amazing. and you know meg how you spell dog backwards yep <laughs> unconditional <laughs> love of god yeah. that's why God named a dog. Oh, I love it. They're beautiful. incredibly loving and nurturing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, you know, I was hoping, I told you, I was hoping to get Maggie on tonight. So I'm glad yeah. that segued so perfectly. But I, yep. I, I, <laughs> check. I was like, oh, that's great. No, I, you know, um, I do want to give some people out there who are listening some tools that you've used to you know manifest the life that you feel that you're called to live right now and um this is the last month of the of 2019 the last month of the decade that, that we've lived these teens we're heading, incredible it's incredible and and i i tell you i'm so excited i would love i'm so happy to spend it with you this has been absolutely wonderful i absolutely encourage more conversations like this. Frankie, you're amazing. I can't wait to share with everybody some tools that you use to basically manifest where you are now. So to start off, I want you to answer what's important to you now in your life. Definitely my family and my friends and the, the family, not only that I was given, that I've been blessed with, my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, uh, you guys, your family yeah. and the family that we grew up with, but then also the family that I have built within the military, people that connect with me that have reached out and said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. Amazing. And, you know, you have no idea how humbling that is, but having friends and family, my wife and my son and trying to be a better person for them yeah. is one of my big challenges. Wow. You know, the the emotional hand grenade, if you will, always goes off and it affects the people that you're closest to. That's always true. And, <laughs> and it happens. I mean, we've witnessed it in both of our houses. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I love that you say emotional hand grenade. It's so It, it is. <laughs> the center of it is the closest people to you. Yeah. Um, and understanding that is is what's important wow. you know it's the connection to the people we are a a social being and we have to be connected we have to be held we have to be loved we need to be touched and told that we're beautiful yeah. that we're strong we're stronger than we could ever imagine i really want you to tell the story that you had relayed to me about your intuitiveness and the gentleman who was who uh, I, I really that was so profound and it just shows that when you pay attention and reach out when you feel pushed or compelled to do so magic can happen absolutely when i was in uh, korea uh in 2005 i was walking down the uh, the street the main road in uh, osan korea and i make a point of looking people in the eye saying good morning and i don't want a cursory what's up I want to know what's going on in their lives. Yeah. And this young man came walking up to me and my God, he looked like he was carrying a 300 pound weight on his back. 
His eyes were red. His body was just, you know, emotionally crippled. And I said, how are you doing? And he kind of harumphed and started to go forward. And I said, hey, wait a second. Let's talk. How are you doing? And we talked a little bit more and we found out that his life had fallen. His life was falling apart. His marriage was gone. His bank account was wiped out. His entire universe, as he saw it with the soda straw that he was looking at it, was over. And he was in trouble with work. He was in trouble with the military. He was in trouble with his bills. And he saw no way out. And the reality was is that, um, and God love him, I still I still talk to him, which is really cool. Um, he had bought the sleeping pills. He had gotten a plastic bag, the duct tape, which is, for whatever reason, in Korea, that's the way they, they take their lives. Um, and then the alcohol. So he had a plan. He had all the methods. He actually had the alcohol in his backpack, and he was walking home. And he broke down crying on the side of the street and told me what was what was going on in his head and where he was going. And I said, hey, you know what? How about if you and I go take a walk over to the hospital? I think we can get you some help. It's, this isn't the right answer. Well, fast forward to uh, 2013 when I retired. This young man took out a bunch of money, flew down for my retirement. Oh. And at my retirement ceremony or at my retirement dinner, told his whole story wow. to the entire community. Wow. And, you know, the people that were there were like, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, but then the people were there and said, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> that was, that's always been who I've been. Yeah looking people in the eye and knowing what right looks like and when it isn't stopping them and asking the question. Wow. Amazing. You know, it's the looking in the eye. I think that what you just said, people always look down. They're not looking up. And I think mm -hmm. when we look at each other, I, the whole see you, I see you as right. somebody, you know, I mean, look at people when you walk down the street, they don't look at you in the face a lot, but when you say good morning, like you did and you saw him, you changed his life. And I think that, you know, everyone's looking for the big, uh, you know, success and the big this and the, I'm, you know, I'm going to be when I get there. And that small act was a huge success for that one person. And that's really, truly where the change can happen. And I think for manifesting purposes, paying attention clearly and being, uh, you know, there for your family, as well as your friends who are family and your community that are family, it, it gives you a purpose to serve it satisfies a calling in you and it also gives much meaning to the lives of others because they get to do the same because he flew down to tell you how much yeah. love, how loved you were. It was a karmic circle that's been, that's been closed. I, Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I ask, what do you want to prioritize for this new season or decade of your life? To connect, to be uh, with, people that need help and to be able to serve them Amazing. and then at the same time also to make sure that I am making the time for the family and making time for the people that need uh, the connection Amazing. and then you know welcome them into our family and I really want to you to share tools of manifesting we had spoken this yeah. Uh, you know, I, I truly think that for me, it's one way, but for you, it might be another. Like, how do you best practice or or use the tools that, mm -hmm. you know, allow you to experience more magic and miracles? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to my notes because oh. I actually wrote this down. Um, first, first and foremost, unplug, get out into nature to reconnect where we belong. Mm. Um, the three the the podcast three day effect if you haven't seen it haven't listened to it listen right. to it three day from um, florence florence williams okay. it's it's a podcast about reconnecting with nature and how it can de-stress okay a person's life um it sounds crazy but 
I became a fan of something called a sun clock. It's it's an alarm clock, but it doesn't use noise to, to pull you out of your sleep. It uses sunlight or uh, light to let you calmly and slowly come out of your sleep. Well, what it does also that I've found is it connects your unconscious oh, and your conscious, that, that, that point between total consciousness and your REM sleep, mm. I've been able to come back and, and oh, pull like out that. messages and memories out of my dreams oh, much better love that. because it doesn't shock you out of it. Everyone's getting a sun clock for Christmas. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I'm telling I'm you, it's great. I'm it's not fantastic. I and love then, that. Um, of course, to be present with your family date night but make it a priority for the relationship, not just an action. Mm. Okay. We can go out for dinner every single night, but unless it's special, unless it has purpose, unless it has thought, yeah, it's just going out for dinner. Yeah. I like and that's very, that's very good for all the gentlemen out there. Perhaps maybe a present yeah. for your lady person is uh, have a nice date night. There you go. Oh. Cool. Yes. The person, it, it, you know, whoever you love, take time for them to relate to them. Amazing. And then making sure that you have time for quiet contemplation and prayer. And it. if I were to give you a, a book to tie that in, I would definitely go with Richard Rohr's Universal Christ. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It's a, it's life changing, to be quite honest with you. I agree. I So... Now that we've come to the end, I can't believe we've almost come to the end, but I asked you to get intentional and I asked you to pick a number. So intentional, what was your intention for this meeting? My intention, and I, I, I'd worked through this, is to connect and find meaning and find meaning for change. Ooh, with I like people that. that we talk with. I like um, So, you know, that's, that's kind of the focus. And you picked number 304, correct? I did. And let me tell you why. Okay, 304 yeah. was the definitive day. Uh, March 4th, 2002 is when uh, one of the major battles that I was a part of took place. And I lost a, a good friend who oh. later was awarded the Medal of Honor. Wow. Uh, and that's when you were, in, you were in Washington for that, correct? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's why 304. Yes. Oh my God. Amazing. So now, this is an honor. So this is also, we brought in your friend. What's his name? The one who uh, lost John, uh, Master Sergeant John Chapman. John he Chapman. Died, died on the battle in the Battle of Takagar. Okay. Okay. And I got Wow. So we bring him into this conversation. So his, his spirit is with us. So go ahead and read number 304. I couldn't find my book. I, oh. have, I have it. I have it paged out, but we moved this year. Okay, no worries. So I would have sent you. On you. So may I have the honor of giving you the gift of reading you to page three? Absolutely. Okay. I forgot to tell you that. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> well, this is interesting. October is it's you reap what you sow, mm -hmm. and and the intention aligns with this. All that you give to others, you are giving to yourself. Anthony DeMello, who I love, by the way. And listen, this is from your friend, number 304, right? We live in a world where there is a message of lack, a pervading belief that there's not enough of anything to go around. So many people fear that their things can be taken away from them by others who are equally desirous. We collect things and clutter our lives, holding on for dear life until we can no longer breathe under the weight and worry of losing it all. The reality is that we live in a world of abundance. When we shift our perspective to that belief, there is so much good to be shared. Love is abundant. Kindness is abundant. Success is abundant. When we focus on our behavior as a means of reaping the abundance we sow, we become cognizant of what we are putting out there. For it is true, all we give to others will come back to each of us twofold. If we put our positive vibes we will receive the same in kind. If we desire love, we must share what we have with others. If we want to experience kindness, we must provide an atmosphere in which fun and excitement 
can blossom. If we want to know success, we need to build the self-esteem of others to add to a more confident society. There's so much abundance in this world. By giving what we have and not keeping it from others, we are better serving the common good, giving all of us the chance to live a life that overflows with bliss. And the key, so love and reap a life of abundance. And I don't know a better way to end with that. It's a good thing that I didn't have the book because I couldn't have gotten through that. No. Been, yeah. No. So, so John Chapman, right? Yes. John Chapman. Wow. He's speaking to you from the other side. My yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to offer everyone the opportunity to connect with you. So I will most certainly put in the feed everything that all your information, your social media, everything. So if that there's anyone out there who feels that they're being they're isolated and they need to be heard, Frank is definitely available for you. He's there to be of service. And certainly I will give you the tools to find him. And as always, I am here to help you dream bigger and live the life you want with purpose and passion. That is what I have been called to do. And, you know, it's funny because Uncle Frank put God bless you and, and, and both of us. My mom is watching over us now, which I always know she's there. Yeah. And, and Frank Daly has had the opportunity to hear another side of my mother, but certainly definitely the direction, perhaps the beginnings of a military structure. <laughs> I don't know. You weren't scared of it because you were already introduced to it. <laughs> they got that covered for sure. So I want to thank you so much, Frank, for bringing your magic and helping inspire everyone to elevate their lives and recognize their potential. The final inspirational word this last month, December of 2019, goes to you, my friend. Thank you, my dear. So you get the final word of inspiration, my friend. I the, oh, I get the final word of inspiration. Yes, you do. You're believe, the final word. Believe, listen, and act. Believe, listen, and act. Amazing. That's amazing. So once again, Frank, thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's been an incredible conversation. I really hope that everybody remembers that you're the deliberate creators of your life. Let your soul be guided by your dreams and let's all together raise the positive vibrations on this planet by connecting from a place of listening to each other and honoring each other in that respect through love. Enjoy your magic and miracles this month. Something wonderful is always about to happen. Shine your beautiful light. And until next year, January, 2020, manifest the most beautiful life. And let's do this, huh, Frank? What would they say in the military at the end of a conversation? Like when they said, agree, I agree. What is the... Uh, I'm not going there, but I will say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. There you go.